everybody from February softball, including some prime time action. We got February podcasting, folks. Welcome to the Seven Innings Podcast. Bro, Ho-Ro, Bemo, Smitty, and Jimmy with you this week as we break it down. You should have your uh, um, lineup card. Uh, follow us at Seven Innings Podcast so you can follow along with all the great stuff we're going to be talking about this week. It starts right at the top of the batting order, and it was Smitty Vision and Megaronowitz Vision and all of the folks behind the scenes at ESPN, our owned and operated event, uh, the St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitational. And Michelle, I don't know if it could have gotten uh, off to a, a better start. It's it's kind of been like a blur. Okay, for a year and a half we worked we worked up to this, and then all of a sudden I feel like now did that really just happen? Um, it was uh, six days. It was amazing. So many people. I'm so proud of our ESPN production team, um, the city of Clearwater, Pinellas County. Um, you know, Meg and I when we started talking about this, we were like, you know, this could be amazing. And and here we are, we've been through it. And I'm just proud of our sport and where we've come ESPN events, um, first owned and operated women's standalone event. Uh, this is something that's going to be awesome for the future to come. Michelle, I was hoping you could tell us, like, don't don't be modest. How did it start? Give us the background of how this actually started. Well, I had my charity tournament the last three years, the Michelle Smith National Pediatric Cancer Foundation Invitational, and I, I've been asking Meg to, you know, come down. We've got great teams that come in, and 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 then she mentioned that ESPN Events was going to look at doing something. They talked to Disney, couldn't really figure it out there. I'm like, Meg, you got to come to Clearwater. The, the folks in Clearwater love softball. A lot of communities, they just tolerate it. They just throw it wherever. This community loves it. It's got history, the bombers. I mean, Herb Dudley, you name it. It's uh, And so that's basically how it started. And then I married up the um, county and some visitor bureau, um, you know, funding with ESPN events. And it, it just started to, to, to take hold and then improvements to the uh, to the grounds. And, and here we are. And, and, and I'm hoping I'm still hoping we're going to get a stadium. I want I want a stadium for softball. Um, that'll make this event even bigger and better. Three, 4,000 seats, expandable to eight. Um, and I think we'll off, be off and running. Holly, I want to hear from you. There was, what, 25 games on uh, on either TV or digital. Uh, I think you covered like 35 somehow. Uh, your, your feet were on the ground. So uh, I want to hear what you saw down there amongst the people. Well, it was amazing because it was packed and it was super competitive to get seats. I will say that it was such a good spirit down there because everybody would work together and fans of different teams, like everybody, you know, the seating was an issue um, because it was so popular. And I think that was maybe the best problem we could have is that too many people wanted to watch softball. So that was really cool. Um, uh, I think the really special part to me was the teams. I mean, the teams were just out wandering around. The people could go up and get their pictures with the girls, get autographs. Um, it, it was really like a hands-on experience. Like I could just wander over and sit in the batting cage with Tennessee and, and talk softball and dance and um, wander over and talk to JMU and get pictures with them and their families. And we, we just, it was like a really up close and personal get to mix and mingle with some of your favorite softball people. So I was in heaven. Like I just made little friends in the stands and we're all chatting back and forth and leading cheers and just kind of felt like home. It was awesome. I think you're right, Holly. I think it brought together that perfect combination of the nostalgia of the summer ball tournament where softball is all around you. Everywhere you look, there's games, there's players, there's people. And then 
ESPN being there just made it extra big time. So it had that, you know, ballpark feel, but it was just elevated at a completely another level. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. I, I love the fact that we always finish the year so strong uh, with the NCAA tournament, with Mayhem, and then at the Women's College World Series, and a chance to jump in and start so strong and, and really get people thinking softball um, at, at a much earlier date. And now we can follow along uh, with, with all, uh, a lot of these other great tournaments. We'll be talking about the Mary Nutter Invitational that's coming up this weekend. And, and there's just some great softball that's played in February and March that now hopefully people um, will be able to dive into a little bit more and, and tag along with. Uh, I, I, there, were, there were some great games, some great softball, some amazing plays. I, I think the thing that really jumps off the page for everybody, right, would be Florida State. Uh, three ranked wins over Oklahoma, LSU, and then the primetime game against Tennessee on Sunday night. And they jumped to the top of the list, which I, I like to see. You, you, you earn it early, right? You get some big wins, and, and you have the best resume as of right now. And I, I like the fact that they go to number one. Um, and and they, they looked pretty good hitting the darn ball all over the park and out of the park. Yeah, I agree, uh, Beth. I think that Florida State, everybody, you know, coming off of last year was like, well, how are they going to do? They lost one of their aces and, you know, they step right in. Megan King looked outstanding. Um, Kat Sandorkoff, the freshman, was was stellar. Um, and, and Cassidy Davis threw a lot of big innings for him as well. A couple of other pitchers um, they will get later on in the year um, back from, from some injuries. But what <laughs> what you have to love, though, is their offensive production and the way they bash the ball out of the park. You know, 16 home runs by nine different players, six with multiple home runs. It, and against some of the best pitching in the country. It was a lot of fun to watch. Well, what I thought was cool, too, is they had asked to play one of the hardest schedules. You know, they had to play on the final night um, they played a really hard-fought game, and then they turned around and played Tennessee. And it, it was the sixth game they had in three days. And mm-hmm. I, I thought, oh, my gosh, this is the same scrappy team we saw at the Women's College World Series. Is I, I loved that Lonnie Alameda was teaching her team that scrappy feeling second weekend of the season so that that is in their DNA or or as their motto for the season, DNAE, defend nothing, attack everything. And that's what she was trying to build from this very first part of the season to build with her group. Yeah, make no mistake. The championship, uh-huh. coming after the championship is the one of the hardest things. There are so many distractions. It is just, you're in a bubble and everybody's eyes are on you and everybody wants to beat you. So the fact that they are coming out and attacking, like you said, Holly, is unbelievable. And they look hungry. They don't just ha- look happy to be there, happy to beat these teams. They look like they want to mash these teams. And I think that's so important moving forward for them. I, I think that's the that that may be the most critical step is how do you prepare for constantly everybody saying that uh, you're defending something and do you embrace the opportunity to go back to back? Do you try and run away and hide from it? Um, and for Florida State, I, I think they so far they've handled it um, very well and, and uh, they seem to be enjoying the ride and enjoying the journey again. And it's going to be a lot of fun to watch them as they move forward. And my goodness, if you're an FSU fan and you see them bashing the ball around like that, if you don't have your tickets yet, you better get them quick because they're, they're not going to be many left uh, for the new number one ranked team. You know, the other the other thing, Beth, that I don't think we've talked about is Oklahoma. So Oklahoma is always a perennial favorite to be in the national championship and be at the College World Series. But they lost so much in the circle with Paige Lowry and Paige Parker. And so 
you know, what do they still have? And it's these six seniors. I saw a lot of hunger for Oklahoma and their pitching was better than I thought it was going to be, to be honest with you. I thought Mariah Lopez did a great job. Um, she came into a game that we did and it all runs together because we were there for, you know, forever. But uh, (laughs) she came in and the very first batter she faced, she gave up a home run and that can really rattle somebody, you know, that that could really rattle you and you'd fall apart. And she didn't, she came right back, um, struck out the side, got back in that game. And I I think they did end up losing that game, but I, I liked how she composed herself uh, Parker Conrad didn't pitch this weekend. She's coming back from an injury. I did think Giselle Juarez, the transfer from Arizona State, um, Patty had told us before the week that she's a little behind because she only joined the team a month ago. And I think we could see that in the circle. I thought she was a little uncertain, but I thought Oklahoma um, had some pieces. Um, the only real question mark is, is their pitching. And then Shay Knighton, who's one of their best hitters, just mm-hmm. her knee issues, I think, are, are pretty Yeah, we'll, we'll find out a little bit more about them this coming weekend. Uh, they're they're going to play uh, some top-notch competition, too, at the at the Mary Nutter. If you've got your, uh, your lineup card, you'll note that uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about that coming up later in the uh, show. Uh, so let's move on now to uh, the new number two team as we move down our lineup card. That would be the UCLA Bruins. They had a heck of a weekend. Again, let's talk a little Pac-12. Uh, UCLA certain certainly appears to be as strong as anticipated. And I think we've seen that Oregon and Arizona State, despite all the transfers and the, the turnover and the changes, for now anyways, looks like they're okay. Uh, they, they're going to have some uh, tough games to come, but I, I really like the way that Oregon handled themselves and that coaching staff that has helped prepare them for the season ahead. They, they seem to be moving forward. And for ASU, uh, Kendra Hackbarth was the player of the week this week in the Pac-12. So they, they have shown some bright spots as well. Kayla? Yeah, I think Oregon fans have a lot to look forward to for this program. I think if you're Seeing them play, I think Jordan Dale, when she's in circle, is going to give you a chance to win almost every single game this week when they play, every single game they play. She's a competitor. She comes out with a fiery desire to go win games for them. But I think that they also need to be really patient because behind Jordan Dale, they don't have much in the circle. So it's going to be a balance. How can you find a way to take your one or two wins potentially every weekend that you fight really hard for and then maybe potentially – you know, open the door, they might get beat pretty badly in game two or three. You know, I also think that um, Rachel Garcia, we're talking UCLA, Rachel Garcia has come back even better in better shape. So she was the national player of the year last year because of what she does as a batter and as a pitcher. And I, I saw her and I was like, oh my God, you know, we already thought she was an extra conditioner as a pitcher, but she ran out of gas at the end of the season last year because they had to rely on her so much. And that was what stood out to me was Rachel Garcia's conditioning. She looks unbelievable. Um, you know, she she was just ferocious in that first weekend. And I was like, uh-oh, National Player of the Year. She's come back even better. Hello. <laughs> well, and, and Holly, the interesting thing about Rachel Garcia, she was the Pac-12 Pitcher of the Week last week. Again, Pac-12 Pitcher of the Week this week. I I wonder what the over-under is. Uh, she wins it at least 10 times this uh, season. Pac-12 Pitcher of the Year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, and, and she's got some help, right? Um, you know, we talked about Megan Faramo, the, the freshman, threw a no-hitter last weekend against Fresno with 10 strikeouts. Wow. Kelly Gooden at the plate, another promising freshman. They beat Riverside last weekend, gang. 16 runs in the first inning, 
brought 20 batters to the plate, and Bree Perez had three hits in one inning. So UCLA uh, winning the Stacey Winsberg this weekend, and they too are headed to the Mary Nutter. So a little Pac-12 update for you right there. We've got SEC and Big Ten uh, stories to talk about as well coming up later in the program, along with Shaggin and uh, Gimme Some Jimmy. But right now we got Bro, Ho, Ro, Bimo, Smitty, Jimmy, and we're going to talk about uh, the mid-majors or, or the major headaches uh, early in the season. Uh, some really good stories out there from some of the other conferences. Louisiana Tech has already beaten Auburn. USF topped uh, Arizona. ULL beat Cal. And we saw JMU this past weekend with the return of Megan Good. Good and plenty right now for JMU. They knocked off Tennessee. And I'll tell you what, JMU is legit. Megan Good, we always knew, was great. Um, but their bats, wowza, man, they were bashing the ball. Uh, just an incredible lineup. There are a lot of mid-majors that I think will give these Power 5 teams a, a run for their money. Um, it's always fun to watch because they don't get always a lot of love, so I'm glad that we're talking about them here. But absolutely a- impressed with uh, with JMU. Um, and how about USF knocking mm-hmm. off Arizona? So there, there's some big upsets this week. That's a huge upset, too, because that was the opening of the new Hillenbrand Stadium. I mean, to be able to go in and have no fear against Arizona when, hey, there's a lot on the line when you're opening and christening a new stadium and to lose, that's a, that's yeah. a big deal. Jimmy, I know you were keeping an eye on the American Conference. They got some squads that are getting it done. After, after a, a, a little bit of a rough start, Tulsa's won seven in a row, uh, Wichita State six, and ECU five. So, you know, those are some of those, mid, you know, outside the power five. Um, and, and just to see some of those things, uh, it's, it's really good to see for, for softball is there, uh, you know, you know, we, we love those, those small teams when we get them late in the season, it'll make our regional seem great. Yeah. Yeah. Julia Hollingsworth, uh, Tulsa set a new school record for triples, uh, for the shockers, uh, Naley Herring, I think leads the league right now, 14 RBI through the first couple of weekends. And uh, Ashley Anne and, and Logan Wood leading the way for ECU. Some teams to keep an eye on on the American. We know Bradley, the Braves were bashing it around over the weekend, too. They're going to be in Tennessee. Watch out, Lady Vols, because Bradley and uh, Kalia Waisaki, this week's MVC Player of the Week, eight home runs for that team against San Jose State. And I know you guys were talking all weekend. Usually it's the pitchers against the hitters, but Kayla, not the case so far through the first couple of weeks of the season. No, it's been unbelievable. I mean, you're talking about Bradley, 22 home runs on the season already. That's crazy. And then I got to be there for that epic JMU game where Kate Gordon hit three home runs in the game. And one was an inside the park home run. So she got things off to a bang. I mean, we're seeing some huge adjustments early from hitters. And I think that's going to keep going throughout the season. And I know, um, Holly, you had a chance to talk up with Kate Gordon or catch up with her and chat with her. She, she's our cleanup hitter this week in the four spot in the lineup. <laughs> because there's <laughs> nothing she can't clean up. Yes, it was really cool. You know, we were doing a game on the opposite uh, ballpark, and we just kept hearing these cheers and these screams, and I'm like, what is going on over there? So after the game, I walked over, and I got to catch up with Kate Gordon of JMU. James Madison making a big splash in the St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitational. And you maybe biggest flash of all seven for eight on Saturday, including a big win over Tennessee where you had three home runs. Tell me what is going on with you at the plate right now. 
Um, I just know that my teammates are behind me, so if I don't get it done at the plate, they're going to get it done. So every at-bat I go up there swinging, knowing that somebody's going to pick me up if I can't pick them up. So you had an in-the-park home run. Tell me about that today. What was going through your mind as you're trying to round the bases? Oh, I was just, we're taught to sprint. You hit a pop-up sprint to second, get there as fast as you can, and then I just saw the coach keep going, and I was like, I better get there. I better make it home, just like she wants me to do. You had two more home runs against Tennessee. Tell me about each one of those. <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, they just swung. I don't know. You seem so calm about all these home runs. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> uh, tell me a little bit about James Madison. This is the first weekend that you were playing. Um, how have you been able to come out of the gate and be so ready for the season? So we practice really hard, like all the we are all the time on the field scrimmaging. If we can't get outside, we're inside scrimmaging against each other, do, taking extra swings, cuts off the pitchers. They they want to come in to throw to us, so we're ready and they're ready. And we just saw all the teams last weekend having so much fun playing, and we just were itching to get out on this field again. You're from Shenandoah, kind of close to James Madison area. How did you pick James Madison? Honestly, they say when you step on the campus and you know, you just know. I just remember going to one camp, and it's funny, Meg and I went to Chick-fil-A, and I was like, Meg, I think this is this is where I want to be, playing with you on this field and playing with these coaches because they they do what I want. They they push you. Not just in softball, but in life, too. And then after that day, I just knew I wanted to work as hard as I can to get here. You're talking about your pitcher, I think, Megan Good. And it, how is it to have her back in the circle for you guys this season? It's awesome. Meg is awesome. She is so composed on the mound, and she just brings everyone's attitude up. She's a really good person and pitcher, obviously. Okay, what can we expect from James Madison? You've already got some big upsets um, in your opening weekend. What else can we expect from this team this year? Hopefully the same results that we've been getting this time. We're going to keep working hard, and we're going to just keep showing the softball world what we're made of. Thank you so much. Thank you. Good stuff from Kate Gordon. Thanks, Holly, for uh, for grabbing her post game. And JMU is going to be a team to watch moving forward with Megan Good in the circle. Uh, let's move on to uh, number five on the lineup card. Time to update the SEC, and um, we're, we're going to go right back to Jimmy because you just had a chance to spend some time right with the Florida Gators. They are off to a terrific start, unbeaten. Kelly Barnhart five and zero with a fifteen strikeout, uh, fourteen strikeout performance against ASU. Yeah, we all know Florida's going to be good, but you know what's really good is their new stadium renovations. It is a great place for fans to see games now. And I know I sound like I'm selling to the to the fans out there, and I'm not, I'm not trying to promote Florida or anything. We're totally biased here on seven innings, but uh, they have this. Their outfield wall on one side is uh, is like see through, so Ooh, you can kind of stand there and watch from the outfield. Then on the other then on the other side, uh, it's it's it, it's got like a fan. Uh, a walkway, I guess, where you can stand out there and lean on the wall and see over it. Um, the new everything is great. Tim Walton's got an office that overlooks the field on the corner, and it is—it's just they—they they did a really nice job. You guys are going to love the press box. It's a—it's a—it's just—it's just a really impressive uh, renovation from what we know was a great field to begin with. Yeah, that's what's different about softball right now, I think, is, you know, in football, I'll never forget this. Urban Meyer used to say recruiting is an arms is a facilities arms race, is that you had to have the newest and the latest and the greatest facilities. And I kind of think that this is a sign of softball has really stepped forward as a, a revenue sport. 
that facility was not that old and it was still one of the best, I think, in the SEC and they've redone it already. So now they've got this new sparkling gem. Texas A&M has mm-hmm. Davis Diamond where we will have the SEC tournament this year. I mean, we are just seeing um, upgrade after upgrade after upgrade to facilities. And I feel like if you don't update your facilities, you're going to fall behind in softball right now. And that's really cool to me because I think it lets us know that the sport has arrived. Yeah. Few few other things of note. Alabama from the SEC going out and winning in Arizona. Montana Fouts. Uh, everybody's probably already heard that name. It's fabulous. And uh, she's got some game to back it up. Uh, for Georgia, Alyssa DiCarlo off to a terrific start. Eight home runs and 23 ribs already. And, guys, we saw um, an LSU team that, you know, the batting average, I think, is up almost 200 points over what it was a year ago with some power and Amanda Sanchez and Shelby Sunsiri, Smitty. Well, you guys, it's ironic that they have Allie Wall Jasper and Carly Hoover in the circle last year, two All-Americans. So you know they're strong from the pitching department, but they struggle to score runs. Those two graduate, and all of a sudden, the bats come alive. It's just ironic how teams have to now focus on something different, and you see that a lot of times. Oops, all right, we, we graduated all our big guns in the circle, so now we're going to have to re, you know, rethink who we are as a team and we're going to bash it out of the yard. So I think LSU is doing that. Their focus is on offense this year. But real quick, getting back to Montana Fouts, I mean, how could she not be a good pitcher for Alabama? Let's face it. She's probably named after Joe Montana and Dan Fouts. I mean, you put those two on. She better have a good arm, right? (laughs) Exactly. Those guys know know how to huck the pig skin. This this kid knows how to huck the softball. I love it. I love it. What kind of leather is softball made out of? What kind of skin is softball? It's cow hide so it's a, it's a different four-legged <laughs> animal you, you guys can just start calling me uh kailani trainer from now on if you if you wouldn't mind um <laughs> uh, they, does that mean you're crop dusting with the kj train it's the kj train folks that's fine i'm gonna be cat the, oh, see, wow oh ollie gold ollie gold baby <laughs> Uh, all right, the SEC out of the out of the gate strong right now. Ten ranked teams in the brand new poll, uh, including Florida, Bama, LSU, Tennessee, and Georgia, all in the top ten right now. Uh, let's move on to number six in the lineup card and some upheaval in Big Ten country. Um, Carol Hutchins is looking for some offense right now from her Michigan Wolverines, and they're not getting much. They are sub five hundred. Um, and they've got a tough stretch still to come that includes games with LSU, UCLA, and Tennessee in the next few weeks. And in their um, absence, kudos to Illinois and Indiana, both making an appearance this week in the top 25. What is going on around the Midwest, ladies? Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Uh, Illinois 4-0 last weekend in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Uh, Coach Tyra Perry, who many may recall from her playing days at LSU, where she was one of the players that helped start the program down there. And Illinois already with wins over Kentucky and Oklahoma State filling the void. And I thought, yeah, I thought Ohio State looked good in our tournament. I I mean, they didn't get as many wins as they probably wanted to, but I thought they have some good pieces to their team. So I don't know. And Northwestern, I think Northwestern could be good this year. I was up there this fall, and they're very excited. Minnesota is another one of those ladies. I think. Sorry. Well, no, no, I, I think Kayla, we're probably talking mostly about the same thing, and the fact that the the Big Ten is um, 
they need the whole conference to step up because it's like we talk about the SAC, Iron Forges Iron, you know, when you can't just have one or two good teams. I think, you know, Minnesota, um, once Indiana, Illinois, all these teams start to step up together, Ohio State, Michigan getting back on the, the win track, it, it just makes better for everybody because every weekend they're going to have to play at their best. Hey, bro. Yes, yes. Bro, you need right, a yes. podcast. I don't ever want to hear you again. Like, oh, sorry. Barge no in sorry, there, girl. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. I can do that. I can do that. Now. It's never going to happen again, Holly. Like, I'm never going to be sorry anymore. It's on. You have, you have given me permission. It's not the door's open. I'm just going to be just coming through oh, all my opinions. Not again, sister. Oh. Hey, let's move on to uh, number seven on our lineup card. Time to talk about the Mary Nutter. Um, always a great tournament out in Palm Springs. And, and as usual, uh, some of the best teams in the country will be out there, including um, what we uh, mentioned briefly earlier in the show. Oklahoma is going to play both UCLA and Arizona in, in potential preview games of uh, you know what we might see at the World Series. So not that I've jotted down a schedule for myself or anything, but um, if I were a fan going to Mary Netter this week, I might just follow UCLA because let me just tell you their schedule. It's awesome. Thursday, Texas A&M, 8 p.m. Friday, Oklahoma versus UCLA, 6 p.m. Saturday, they play Nebraska and Kentucky. So, um, And then don't forget, the next the next Wednesday, Florida plays UCLA at the Judy Garman Classic. Yes. So um, if you're a softball fan, you might just want to hitch your bandwagon to the Bruins right now because you'll, you'll see all the best opponents. Yeah, I think we're seeing. I think we're seeing more often though. Early what? in the season, is these teams are wanting to play better competition because they know that they're going to face them down the road. And I think you know, or like Iron Forges Iron, we talk about that all the time. Is that you want to go follow UCLA because they're not shying away and they're challenging Rachel Garcia to throw against the best pitchers. They're challenging their other staff members to throw against the best hitters in the country. So I think it's important that these teams get early challenges in the season, especially now looking at the Pac-12 that might not be as strong top to bottom. UCLA might need some better competition early. Yeah, I agree, uh, Kayla. I think that the fact that these teams are not afraid to play stronger schedules earlier uh, pre-conference is, is important um, for the development of the team, but also the growth of the underclassmen. And as a coach, that's what you want. You want these kids to be tested in the pre-conference so that they're ready in the conference. And that, and then by the time the postseason comes, they're fully, fully prepared. And, um, it, you know, if you're waiting for your kids to be experienced in the postseason, it, it's too late. Big weekend coming up in Palm Springs at the Mary Nutter. Uh, let's move down to number eight right now um, on our lineup card. And it's uh, one of our favorite things to do. This week on Shaggin' Stats. Shaggin' Stats for Holly Rowe. Today is Rachel Garcia Monster Weekend for UCLA. Do I have to keep using this voice the whole time? I feel like I should. <laughs> yes, you do. We will all follow <laughs> Rachel Garcia. Two games, 27 strikeouts, no walks, I thought was a very important stat. In three of her four starts, she's thrown 13, 14, and 15 strikeouts in a game. Oh, and she's only hitting 571 at the plate with one home run and four RBI. Rachel Garcia, so many shagging stats, I couldn't choose just one. (laughs) Michelle? (laughs) Holly, that's awesome. Um, Well, I'm going to go with the big sticks of the weekend with Florida State. 19 home runs, an 11-0 record. Um, They hit... uh, 
They had nine players, nine players with home runs, six with two home runs. Uh, and I'm going to specifically uh, talk about Sydney Sherrill. She has a slugging percentage over a thousand. Uh, this is just a, a team that can get the ball out of the yard and very quick. All right. I'm all about speed on the bases, everyone. We got to get some stolen yes. bases up in here. All right, so leading the country yes. in stolen bases from southeastern Louisiana is Jacqueline Ramon. She's 19 for 20, but I got to give a shout out to Keely Milligan, who's 15 for 15 in second place, but she's perfect. She is money on the base pass, both of them are. She's 19 stolen bases. Wow. The yes, into 12 the games. Holy I mean, cow. like, that's, that's tough. I mean, the other thing, too, is you got to think about to steal that base, you got to be on base. So, you know, her batting average looks good, too. Let me ask you this. Is that more Kayla Bro speed or Jen Fenton speed? Oh, I, okay. Ooh. I will tell you this. I'll, I'll give it to you. I think that I would be Jacqueline Ramon. I'm 19 for 20. Jen Fenton is not going to be called out though. She would be 15 <laughs> for 15. She was, she had one of the longest base streaks in the oh. entire country. And I think she set a NCAA record for that or was in the top five. Nice. Stolen bases in a row former teammate with the tide. Um, I'm going to go to a softball legacy, you know, and in, in our softball sorority, if you have a kid sister that wants to join, then she gets legacied in. How about this week's big 10 freshman of the week, Lindsay wall Jasper. Yes. That wall Jasper family, two home runs, eight runs batted in for Allie's younger sister in the ACC big 10 challenge this weekend. She also won a game in the circle. So kudos to Lindsey Wall Jasper, my shagging stats, Jimmy. Yeah, I'm going to go off the field, Beth, again, because uh, you guys have all these stats down perfectly for uh, the players. But I'm going to talk a little bit about our uh, our weekend out there in Clearwater for the uh, St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitational. It took me about three months to be able to say that. Um, <laughs> but I believe the last number was over 9,500 tickets sold. Uh, I know there was hundred, at least a hundred pizzas bought. There was countless hot dogs. There was a uh, holly on a jolly trolley. Um, I believe mm-hmm. there was uh, a lot of fun going on. We put twenty-five games on uh, either the digital network or the one of the ESPN networks between SEC Network, ESPNU, and ESPN Two. Um, I had a hundred, uh, a cast of hundreds um, on on a side. Uh, field, we were able to sit down and talk with uh, 11 or 12 of the teams, uh, got a whole lot of great photos and video for the season. Uh, so those numbers to me are what's, what's almost more important than uh, even that 19 for 20 stolen base. Fabulous, fabulous. Shagging stats, folks, on the Seven Innings Podcast. That was Shagging Stats. <laughs> and that leads us into, we, you know what we need? Do we do we have a voice for Gimme Some Jimmy? We might need to create one of those this spring. Uh, it, it's time now for the bottom of the order and Gimme Some Jimmy. James? So I worked with Kayla all weekend uh, on our games, on our, on our uh, digital field over there. And uh, digital field, <laughs> it sounds like it wasn't real. It was real. It was just streamed on the internet instead of uh, on TV. Uh, she said one of the best things I think I've heard in a long time, and this is why I'm glad she's on our podcast now. We were we had a couple of packages that was uh that, that we could run during the game. One was for hitters, and one was for pitchers. And we ran the the hitters one a lot. And finally, I'm like, Kayla, you want to run the pitchers one? And she's like, No, let's do the hitters again. <laughs> Woo! Uh, and 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 then we're like, Well, Kayla doesn't like pitchers, and she says to me, No, I like pitchers. I just like to hit them. <laughs> so. 
I think Kayla needs to, uh, and Kayla and Smitty maybe need to get in a room and talk about pitching and hitting. Uh, Work it out. Work it out. <laughs> when I told him I, I can't have a batting average or I can't get these major hits and just, you know, get my stats up without these wonderful pitchers who serve it up for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's awesome. Good stuff. Good stuff. I love it. I love it. I th- does anybody have anything else to add? I did want to give a shout out to Joe Evans, Texas A&M, win number 1,200. Yeah. This week, so congratulations to Joe, one of our favorites to chat with. Oh, can can I give you one more shout out Please. for Texas A&M because I think this is special. Heather Mayo, six years ago today, Hannah, um, her daughter, was diagnosed with type one diabetes. Saturday, she got her first start for Texas yes. A&M, so she's been battling type one diabetes, celiac disease. Mm-hmm. So shout out to Hannah. Mayo of Texas A&M, keep fighting, keep chasing your dreams. That was a tweet from her mom that I thought we should share. Yeah, Beth, one thing more for me. I think I know we started the uh, the podcast with it, but I think we should give a shout out to Michelle, too, for that, for doing everything that she did this past uh, year and a half or so to get that. It, it all started going. with her Smitty vision to bring more softball to the masses, <laughs> and, and it has worked. Hey, we are the Seven Innings Podcast at Seven Innings Podcast on, uh, on your gram and on the Twitter. We are now available on your ESPN app, on iTunes. You can also find us on the ESPN.com uh, webpage. So lots of good stuff to come on the road to the Women's College World Series.